to another episode of Rick's Random Ramblings. I'm your host, Rick, and this is episode 5. Today, we're going to be talking about a character that I feel is very underrated in comics. And, well, without further ado, uh, let's jump right into our first segment. series which started off at DC and uh, so at some point in the 90s I think 92 they um they moved him into uh his into the um the Vertigo line that he started DC Vertigo was like a um an imprint for just incredibly violent books like pretty graphic stuff it, it went just through like blood and gore like a lot of, a lot of like sexual themes in there very uh, very adult like and whereas you had the regular DC imprint which was um, just mostly uh, your regular stuff your Batman your Superman your Wonder Woman Green Lantern etc but this one right here is incredibly unique because at the time it was kind of the 90s especially it was a time where people wanted to start reading a lot of their books and this imprint gave fans uh, a chance to go ahead and start doing that they got to read these very uh, very adult uh, books. Of course, by now, most of the comic book uh, fans from the old days, they were all grown up now. They only wanted some more mature stories. We did get a few of those in the 80s, but there wasn't like a, a label dedicated to just them. It was just like a few stories here and there, mostly written by like Alan Moore, Frank Miller, uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, lots and lots of British writers during the they call the mid to late 80s the British evasion um, because there were a lot of really 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 good British writers that had that um, that had very unique and very amazing stories to tell that I feel like um, American writers weren't really doing with their books it was a uh, it was a very exciting time it was it was just the stories were just so good. They were uh, they were deep. The main characters were often get mutilated and tortured. There was like all kinds of not not just physically like mentally the the stuff they would go through was was pretty deep. And it was a uh, it was a very very good time to start reading. I definitely recommend you guys uh, check them out if you guys haven't. There's um lots of like Zaga the Swamp Thing like I said before. There's even a few Superman stories. The man, of the man who has everything. It was just a Superman annual, and it was um. It was a story about Superman's birthday, and it was a very, very good read. It was a lot of a uh, classic, uh, Frank, not Frank Miller, I said Frank Miller, uh, Alan Moore, uh, sarcasm that he was very, very well known uh, for, and it was a, uh, it was very, very cool. It's a very good story. He also wrote um. There was another Superman story. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Not trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, whatever happened to the Man of Steel? There we go. I knew it had something to do with Man of Steel because all the really good Superman stories always start with Man of Steel for some reason. I can't find my dog. It's trying to bother me. Um, it was a. Uh, it, it was another very good story. It was almost like an Elseworlds type of book. Almost I want to say. But uh, it was like an alternate future where uh, where Superman stopped being Superman and told a story about that. That was another very good one. The rumor was that um, that Alan Moore had actually wanted um, to use Martian Manhunter, and DC was like, "No, you're very prolific. You're an incredibly prolific uh, 
writer or putting on Superman and so he wrote a lot of deep sarcasm and a lot of satire into those stories and for instance there was a um, there was a really funny scene with uh, with Wonder Woman and Robin she was like oh hey Dick and uh, the 80s Dick Grayson is not Robin that was Eastern Todd Eastern Todd and um, he and Batman goes no this is Jason this is Robin and then Wonder Woman replies um Oh, I could not tell the two guys apart, and that was him taking a little jab at the DC because there was literally no difference between uh, the two Robins at the time. There were a, a copy, a cookie cutter, almost like the same exact thing. So, anyways, that was a little quick rant that I just went on. Um, but what is all that about John Constantine? Well, his book was. Uh, when he got his own solo series, like, it's like his appearances in Swamp Thing were very, uh, very gruesome and very, uh, very graphic, just like the, um, just like the the Vertigo imprint, and was eventually, yeah, um, was starting off in the eighties, followed into his book, and um, his stories were. Uh, very like uh, I wouldn't say mystery esque. It was very um. It w- it, w- it was that you could tell it was an, an occult uh book and like some mystery elements. I would say, um, it was mostly supernatural and like you know that mystical side of DC, and uh and his first uh, outing starts off with oh is my dog here? Yes, hey, you're bothering me. He probably wants to go to sleep. I'm recording this really late at night. Because I think it's probably the best time for me to start recording this really late at night. But um, anyways, it was a, it was a book that was uh, I can't remember the last name. Hold on, let me double check. I have the um, the first volume right here. Um, it's fantastic read. It's called um, Original Sins. Um, and the John Constantine book isn't called John Constantine. It's called Hellblazer. Or Hell. They actually wanted to name it uh, Hellraiser. Little fun fact, but um. There was a movie coming out called Hellraiser, written by uh, Clive Barker. Oh, it's an R writer, and they uh, they didn't want to copy that title, so they changed the name. A uh, little fun fact again. Um, yeah, um, there was Jamie Delano and John Ridgway who started the first few issues. Um, fantastic writer, fantastic artist. Uh, especially, especially the art. The art is in this book is incredible. Now, unfortunately, the the artists shift a whole lot, so. I can't really tell you that um, Hellblazer has a very specific look to it because the artist changed a whole lot. Uh, I think think um, the first artist only lasts like a few issues too, so they they hop around a whole lot. It's not as I wouldn't I don't want to say it's as bad as Sandman. Sorry, my dog here, but um, because when you read Sandman, there's a I think the first three issues was one guy and then the rest it was it was constantly shifting um but at least you had that first artist who um who defined what this book was going to look like you didn't you know you didn't really get that from John Constantine it's very um it can be whatever it is you kind of want it to be it can be dark and gritty sometimes it can be kind of bright and colorful cuz some of the adventures he does go on are a little fairy taleish you could say that. Um, I was making an argument against it, but um, back to this book. Um, it just starts off, I think, almost exactly where um his last appearance in Saga the Swamp Thing left off. At it was um, he's just coming back um to London from America, or maybe not London. I think it's it's somewhere in England. Anyways, and I think he lives exactly in London, but um. It's just the first few pages is him monologuing like how much he hates um, England, and this is very funny because I think the writer is uh, is putting some of how he views uh, England into this book. As in, um, he he writes about how nasty the streets are, and there's no way I feel there's no way that you could write so specifically about how. Um, how nasty like specific places look unless you've actually lived there and actually experienced it and it, it's just really funny like the way he describes it he describes the nasty rain and the rat droppings and 
with the bugs and the, the way the weather is and all this and it, it's just it's just really funny and then the artist who um who draws it really good I think he he portrays what's being written into very good pictures I feel and um it's just really funny because we don't we don't really up until this point we don't really know much about Constantine even throughout this incredible swamp thing there's still an incredibly mysterious character. I don't. You don't really have to read Zaga the Swamp Thing to understand John Constantine's uh, character, but it gives you a bit of a precursor for what you're in for. Like you kind of already know that he's a bit of a shady guy. He um he doesn't have any friends, and he actually mentions it. He I think he mentions it a bit too much about how he always ends up screwing over his friends, and if he doesn't mention it, people who know him, like this, like um I would I don't want to say acquaintances, but I guess they kind of you could count them as acquaintances. Uh, they mention offhand all the time as um, hey, you probably shouldn't hang out with that Constantine guy. People who hang out with him don't always make it back out alive, and uh, it, it's really funny because the end of the f- uh, that's the end of the first book. That's the end of the first story. That's exactly what happens. So um, the the book starts off with John just coming back home after being away, and everyone's like, John, where you been? He's like. I don't really want to talk about it because, you know, he lost his girlfriend. And that he does mention it and he does think about it. So it kind of already tells you all right after that. But anyway, he arrives home and his land, I guess his, the house uh, care- caretaker, I guess you want to call her. At first, I thought she was actually a landlady. I think she is. I think, oh, I, th- I do think she does own the property. I think she also helps take care of, um, take care of it. Anyway. She tells him that one of his friends just stopped by while he was gone, and he gets like, "What?" He gets like really like, like frustrated and like, "Oh come on, not again!" Like someone's like, like uh, as if this isn't the first time it's happened before, and that's what makes me laugh so much about it, because here's this character again. He's like, "Ah again," and I think um I think I kind of know what that's like. Like when your friend just kind of pops up out of the blue and they're like, "Hey Rick, I don't." I know you and I haven't talked in a long time, but hey, can I do you a favor? And I know I've, I've been in that position before, and it's it's a bit of a stinky situation, I feel. But it is what it is. Anyway, John goes upstairs, and the landlady or whoever she is, she's like, oh, by the way, I think he might have left. Because he doesn't, doesn't bother me. But there's a lot of bugs upstairs. And he goes, bugs? So he sits down, and then there are, there is in fact, a lot of bugs. He finds a needle as if, like, the guy is shooting up. And he takes a nice close look at it. He knows there's a lot of bugs in there. And then he's like, ah, shoot, there's bugs. So he goes into the bathroom and finds one of his old uh, friends and his couple of bugs. And it is one nasty picture. Every time I look at it, I get a little shaky. Because I'm fine with bugs, but that that, that one's one of those. I'm going to pull it up just so I can look at it again. Ugh, it's, it's just as nasty as it was the first time, as it is now. Uh, I can never really look at that page and not get uh, shivers down my spine. And the uh, the artist does a fantastic job at portraying this. And he's not... Ugh, man. Sorry, I just looked at it. Ugh. It's nasty. It, it, and it, it's just really funny. He's like, hey, John, I can't see all the bugs off me. And John... And, and I love John Constantine's reaction. He immediately closes the door. He doesn't say anything to the guy. He just closes the door. And every single time I see that, I burst into laughter. Like, I, I'm, I'm a full laugh track now. But, um, it's just hilarious. Because, that again, that shows us more John's characters. And, like, oh, oh, fuck. Sorry for the language. But, um, and also I love the line that he does say after he closes the door. He goes, Jesus Christ. It's Lord of the Bloody Flies, and again, that reference makes me laugh, because that was, like, that was one of my favorite books in uh, high school. Yeah, um, so he just goes on, and he grabs one of his friends, so again, we see how resourceful he is, and his, his the, looks like how deep his contacts goes, is that he's got contacts all from, like, really high, so, like, really low, he knows, like, really, uh, influential politicians, he knows a lot of, um, a lot of lowlifes, all kinds of guys, he will walk down to the I think it's the convenience store dash bar, and he buys, he's like handing uh, cans of race for all the bugs. Calls up one of the guys, 
and they um, they go on this adventure to um, to find out what exactly is going on with this friend, and it's a uh, it's just a really good story. I don't want to go any deeper than that about you know just to keep a spoiler free. I want to want I want some people to start reading the story. It's a fantastic um, just the whole series. I think it ended with two three hundred, and then they rebranded it and lifted it too. But that's just uh, whatever. Just it ends at three hundred. Let's leave it at that. Because I think it's actually Vertigo Go's longest running book um, ever. All the other books that were canceled were kind of like ended before 300. I feel like 300 is like the, um, it's like that number that every independent book tries to reach. Because I think that's something to do with Sebelius the Avalot. It's an independent book from the, uh, I think the late 70s to the mid to late 90s. And it was just such a, it, it started off as a parody. That's what really gets me. And then it turns something a little more serious, and then around issue 200-ish, the whole book just goes on downhill. But we're not going to get into that. That's a whole other episode in its own. It's a really, really good uh, book. It, uh, if you read up to issue 200, you'll be kind of satisfied with that. It's a perfect ending. Not that the other um, 100 issues aren't good. It's just they get a little controversial I guess because um some of the stuff there are, that's said in the book is a bit um it, it might trigger a lot of people uh, today I mean it triggered lots of people back in the day in the 90s but now more so now now uh, more so than ever especially because you know people are more sensitive to uh, some of the stuff he talks about um just to give you an example there's a lot of like anti-feminist uh, feminism in that book and it's very uh, off-putting if you're a uh, you're a very uh, feminist person, so um, that's enough of that. But the pr- point is, um, I, I think Siebel was kind of started that whole 300 uh, a run for independent books, and it was always printed in black and white too. So it's a little fun fact again for you guys. But um, back to Constantine, that that's kind of like like the number that every single independent book tries to get to, and I think that was very important because. It's kind of like after that, Constantine has been on and off. Con- like Constantine, Constantine is just the right way to read. It's just it's a dumb place to read. But um, it, it's it's like Constantine now can't really keep a book. It's like it's on it, it comes and goes, and I just kind of want like that really constant, like you know, monthly book from from this character. And I do know that they actually have started, so I feel really ridiculous recording this and talking about this in this episode but I still want to still I still want to bring it out to um to viewers and to other comic book fans so I feel like this is a very important book and I definitely will check out the latest run but it, it just to me I feel like the character doesn't get it, it, his due although um if you have looked at his first appearance uh in Zagre Swamp Thing that issue is it's so expensive now, so I guess the word is going around about Constantine, but I like to think, hey, I told you guys about it first, and the funny thing is, I've been telling a lot of my friends about it, uh, even my non-comic book friends, they probably hear me talk about, uh, uh, all, all the time about this character, and they're like, why don't you just talk about it, so, alright, here we go, I'm talking about it now, and this right here is a, uh, a character I just really love. He's a uh, he's sarcastic, and he's he seems like he's a full character, but apparently he actually isn't. He's um he's like he's like hiding it behind a facade. Like he, even though he does screw over a lot of his partners and his friends and everything, he still has like like this side of like regret. Like he wishes he didn't have to do it this way, but at the same time he has to because he gets the job done. You know. And you can see that again in the first, in the no, the second issue of this of this uh, this volume one. I, ironically, I have never finished uh, the rest of the series. I've only read volume one, and I think it was because no, I don't think I ever had volume one. I think I just got caught up reading a bunch of other stuff because I I'm always constantly shifting from book to book, and then once I uh, like have a list of like books that I really do love. That's when I start to collect the rest of the, uh, either whether it be the graphic novels or the individual issues. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I like that. Let me go pick this thing up. So, 
unless of course it's a really old book and I'm like all right well I might as well buy a graphic novel since it's all in one place instead of having to go buy a book on time and I think that works for smaller ones but then again it's Constantine books and it's major issues so reasonably I could do it but then it's like getting into like a fine condition I think but it's definitely a really good read it's um there's a lot of allusions and metaphors towards politicians, and I think that is, in fact, on purpose. Um, you see one of the politicians uh, is infected with some kind of demon, possessed by it, and he beats himself to death. It, it's pretty funny picture. Um, and I think that that was, in fact, done on purpose, I think, because some of the writers began to put in, uh, they kind of use this book. At first, it was, I think at first, it started off as a legitimate thing. And then later on, it became like, hey, we could use this to uh, to bash um, uh, our politicians from Britain. Like all the British writers began to like bash their own uh, politicians and celebrities and like that. And I feel like that's kind of what like Constantine kind of became. It was like a platform for that. Like, because a lot of his villains were all took the form of politicians, and it was just really funny to me. Like, oh, I think almost every single one of his villains in this first, and like at the yeah, yeah, all of the villains are pretty much politicians now that I'm, I'm, like, really thinking about it, like, and it, I find it funny, and I'm sure the, they, too, found it funny, because they continue to do it a lot, and there was also a lot of allusions about, um, how poor the, uh, certain sections of Britain are and stuff, it was funny, it's just, it's just a really, really good funny, I feel, um, so definitely check it out. I think his character is like really cool. Um, I think he's. I think I you know about like two months ago I was gonna say you know he's completely underrated and now I don't think he's entirely underrated. I think he's almost just about purposely rated for a character. Uh, whenever someone's like, oh, but Rick, you don't have any streetwise uh, DC characters. I'm like, I think Constantine might actually fit that bill. He's very um. I don't think he's very relatable, honestly. I think he's very, uh, I think he's kind of what we don't want to become as a person. He's withdrawn for everybody. He, um, he uses people. He manipulates just about everybody he knows, and he has no actual attachments, and I think that's something that no one really wants. And that's, I think that's why it's such a good character. In my own opinion, other than of course his uh, his little adventures with the occult, and if you're really into that 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 kind of stuff, I definitely recommend you guys check it out. And so we're gonna take a little short break, and then we're gonna move on to our next segment. Um, and we'll be right back. stopped watching TV around the age um, of 14, and I'm not really too big into TV shows anyways. I was more of a cartoon type of guy, even now. I I still kind of tune in to see what's going on on that, uh, that end of the spectrum. However, I'm, um, I haven't actually seen any uh, actual television in years. I only count the stuff I see on Netflix as TV. I guess some people would be like, no, Rick, that's streaming. It still counts. So, I won't police some of you guys. I know, technically I had watched some TV. But, um, the last actual television show I can remember watching was probably Daredevil Season 3. And that's... That came out, what, November of last year? So... But um, today, th the reason why um, this recording is out a little later than usual is because I um, I was watching The Boys, and I accidentally watched the whole series in like a day. And I was gonna, I mean, I was eventually gonna watch it, and then I was gonna talk about it here. But then I got called into work, so I missed a day, 
reread Constantine, so I can record it now, and then that's how we ended up here. So you'll probably get this on like Sunday because by the time I'm done editing, and also I've been trying to create like music for this thing. So enough of the excuses. Let's get right into the part where I talk about the boys. Anyway, my dad was watching it earlier, and I was like, "Oh snap! Look at that! Oh, I was actually planning on watching this." So naturally, he and I spent the whole day watching all eight episodes. Now that is eight hours. Exactly eight hours, some odd minutes, because it's exactly an hour and some odd seconds long. So, yeah, eight hours for nothing but sitting down on the couch. It felt so uncomfortable. I've never done something so uncomfortable in my entire life. I mean, it was, in fact, worth it. Like, sitting down on a couch like that, I don't know how anybody does that. How do you sit down so much? I can't stand it. Even right now, I'm standing up as I record this. I sat down for the first out second half I have to gotta stand up. I can't I can't stand to do it. So you guys hear my feet moving around because I got this new mic and it it picks up every single little thing I do. I could tap on this plastic um case right here and it'll probably pick it up. Other mic didn't. But I digress. Anyway, we sat down and we watched it and we of course I had to rewatch two more other episodes because naturally my dad falls asleep. He always does that at some point. As soon as the action ceases, he like goes, shh, falls asleep. It's fine. Because the two episodes he missed, probably probably some of my favorite uh, TV I've seen like in a long, long time. Now, in terms of television as a kid, um, not, not counting cartoons, my favorite was probably Law and Order, anyone Law and Orders, and probably NCIS. I was a big fan of the uh, the mystery type of TV shows. And that was about it. I'm trying to think back then. Those are the only two that actually stick out to me most. And it's kind of unfortunate. I don't know, I'm not really big into television. But this, the house place like, yeah, fine. I'll watch The Boys. And it was kind of more quality time with my dad, so. It was like a win-win situation here. And let's, let's get into this because this is enough of this rambling that I'm doing. And I actually caught myself this time, thankfully. Anyway, so the premise is uh, superheroes are basically uh, like celebrities. And they don't give two shits. Sorry for the language again. They don't give two shits about the... Uh, like helping people and actually being superheroes they're mostly run by this company called Vought and they're complete completely selfish um, and only th they're like money hungry and like they're incredibly greedy and the only thing they care about is how many um, hits they get on Instagram and like other type of social media and that's like it and at first I was kind of like eh so that's why I kind of turned a blind eye towards it it came out Late July, and like it's like mid-August right now, so I was like, hmm, I guess. So I kind of like turned around to it. I think by the by the middle of the second episode, I was like, okay, I'm I'm definitely down for this show. Because it, um the first episode was record. Thankfully, I, I was so happy because I'll, I'm starting to notice this. We're gonna sidetrack again. Sorry, I'm I'm just gonna warn you guys this time. Um, I noticed not a lot of books, comics, and like television shows, movies. There is not a lot of world building. Okay, there is like almost none whatsoever. You're just thrown into like. I'm trying to find a really good example, but I haven't watched any recent television shows besides this one, so it's really hard. But let me just give you a generic example. They kind of throw you into this world, right? And then there's like no like there's no explanation for why things are the way they are. And sometimes it's fine, especially in like a mystery story. But that can't always be the case. There's um there's like there has to be like rules to the reason why things work this way and why it's still successful. Like um Take for instance, let's talk about 1984, because 
that's the most recent book I've reread. So like the Millionth Time. Um, there's a lot of world building in that. Like, like the first chunk of the book is just explanation after explanation after explanation, and just goes on for like that. Except it does it in an interesting way. It doesn't do dialogue and like character interactions. That's what makes it so cool. So you get a little bit of you learn things through just the characters' daily lives. And thankfully, the boys does this. It introduces the world through two completely uh, different perspectives. And I love that. But you don't see any type of media do this anymore. We're thrown into this world. We don't know anything about it. And then we just, we're just introduced to the main character and that's it. It's just like what the main character doing. Happy, go lucky, chucky, whatever. Whatever, like we're just following this adventure. But like, wh- what, where it, where it is, what the setting. The boys does this perfectly, in my opinion. And I think the reason why I didn't like episode one as much as the rest of the series because it was very slow. And that's not bad. I think that's actually perfect for a television show or any form of storytelling because it's just world building. It's showing you a lot. These right here are the superheroes. This is what they're like. This is what their world is like. And it's really funny because in the beginning of the episode, we're not even, like, we're introduced to the superheroes, right? It has that, like, that little clip with, um, Homelander and a Queen May, I think her name is. Right, they don't really, like, talk about that character too much, so. But I feel like she kind of takes a backseat a bit until, like, later on in the series. But she, uh, she and Homelander are stopping at the robbery, I think it was. I walked in to my dad watching it during this scene, so excuse me if I'm wrong. But it's um it's a very interesting scene because we see the superheroes. You know, they're just doing their job. It's like, yeah, cool. But that's like every look of a superhero. But then I think five minutes later, we see a guy we see a superhero kill uh, a girl by accident and we're like, What the fuck? And he doesn't even stop to see if she's okay. She he just runs away. Like, oh, okay, that's a little different. And right away, we know something's wrong with this world's superheroes. I was like, yes, cool. That's cool. Okay. Obviously, the main character is horrified. And the main character, well, I don't, don't want to say, I don't think he's actually the main character. I think he's, he's a Sherry main, they're like the protagonist, um, with uh, with uh, another person, um, Starlight, who's this uh, new superhero, and she wants to join the team of the Seven because the Seven are essentially this world's like Justice League dash Avengers. There's a lot of um. There's a lot of like uh, uh, analogs of each type of superhero. Like um, Homelander is essentially just Captain America and Superman into one character, except he's psychotic. And it's really funny. Um, Queen May, or Princess May, who is now, she's essentially just um, Wonder Woman, and uh, she's such a, like a feminist and stuff like that. It's just really funny. It's just like great, um, like parodies of the characters. Uh, A Train is obviously the Flash, and then you have uh, what's her name? Black Noir, which is Noir is just French for black, so her name is actually just Black Black. I didn't really think about it too much about that. Uh, I didn't think too much about it. Now that I'm actually thinking about it right now, I'm like, that's actually like really, really funny. Um, he's almost like a Snake Eyes type of character, or like a Batman esque character. It's like somewhere around there, and and he's probably like my favorite character too because he's 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 like a he's almost like a Boba Fett. I want to say because he doesn't actually do anything, but he actually does stuff. It, it's it's pretty funny to me. But he's a, um, and there's like an Aquaman character. He, he calls himself the Deep. No, <laughs> his name is just ridiculous. And then there's a uh, translucent, 
except he's not actually translucent. He like t- he turns himself invisible and set his like skins to like he doesn't like turn himself invisible. He he converts his skin to diamond, which retracts the light, which makes him seem invisible. So he's a he he's a really funny character. He I forgot who's played by, but the actor's really good. Um, so you have like these these superheroes that aren't that super heroic. They are super, but not heroic. And it, it's really cool. And then the new... Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, Starlight. And I forgot who I was going to talk about. Um, yeah, so she's like this overly optimistic, genuine person. And it's actually pretty funny that each of the mem- each member of the Seven are like really corrupt. Like really selfish. Uh, but she's so genuine. She's not naive. She's more like... Um, she wasn't expecting this like she was expecting that um that genuine like come on let's go beat up the bad guys let's go save the world like uh, like that kind of thing and it's, it's really really fun to uh, to see that but um so the first episode is like world building right and it works so perfectly because in the second episode everything begins to come together because when you start to world build you are able to you're able to make this fictional place seem real like the, the walls of it are, is like it makes sense it look it all just fits together like uh, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about spoilers here but it's kind of hard to talk about it I, I'm really har- I'm just like very hard for me not to explain something without explaining spoilers without without revealing spoilers I should say and it's I don't know I'm trying to think of a way for me to say it without actually saying it so I'm just gonna say and hope for the best um it's like one scene where the characters are trying to hide from someone and they're like wait a minute uh he's got super hearing so if we just blow up this thing he'll go away and it, it it's it's very cool it's very, uh, it's very unique, I feel, especially among today's, uh, today's storytelling. Like, there's, there's, no, there's nothing really like it, and that's, wh- I think that's why I enjoyed the show so much. I already knew it was a comic book, but I don't really know why I didn't really read the comic. I can't really ex- explain. I wasn't, unless I was too busy with a bunch of other stuff. I was reading, uh, Transmetopoli. Um, for a few years, so I think, like, I always pick, like, one indie book a year, and I read that, and I guess Transitopoulin was kind of, like, on that list over the boys, so, because, like, my dad, I, I follow writers around, for some reason, I don't know why I didn't read, uh, this, the story, just what a shame, it's, it, it's really good, um, it's only ep- eight episodes long, so it's not, it's not too long, although, please take breaks. I implore you, take some breaks. Because it, it's, this gets a little deep. Not, not so deep. It's very, very basic, uh, basic story. But, the storytelling is what makes it so deep, I feel. Like, each character is so gray. Like, I can't. You can't look at Homelander, you could argue is probably like the supervillain of the story. You can't look at him and say he's he's just a bad guy. Except he kinda isn't. He was like raised to be this way, right? So he knows nothing else. And like that goes for each and every single character, except for Black Mirror. Because we don't actually know who he is in the show. He's just super cool ninja mute guy. I think the most he does is play the piano. I mean, he does some fighting, but I think like like just getting a really cool shot of him. Just play the piano. Just sounds really ridiculous. Stupid. Play the piano, but whatever. Doesn't matter. The uh, the point is, um, each character is very gray. And like I can't even say Hugh Huey. He's the um, he's the kid that gets caught up in a bunch of nonsense. He's not really a kid, he's like in his twenties, but yeah. Compared to other characters, he's pretty young. And he 
think he's a very... Although, it's funny because he views the world as black and white, but his character's very gray, and that's why he's so amazing. Like, he does things because they're the right thing to do, but then those things have, like, really catastrophic effects. So it's pretty funny. Or maybe I could actually probably make the argument that he's the Team Starlight are the only black and white characters. Or completely white characters, I guess. They're, like, very genuine. And they're very, like, honest. And I think that's what separates them so much from the rest of the cast. The rest of the cast is very, um... We're doing what we have to do because we have to do it. It's, it's do or die. And they're very, no, if we can do this the right way, it's going to be done the right way. So I think that makes them very unique in the cast. Well, I didn't like Yu's character. Until like issue, or not said issue, oh Jesus Christ. Talking about TV show here. Um, I didn't enjoy his character until uh, episode four or five. Like, up until that, he was, like, spineless. He's, like, that very stereotypical dork. Like, there's nothing special or unique about him. But then, he kind of begins to come out of his shell in the following uh, episodes. And then I can look at him and think, ah, that's perfect. There we go. He actually has a personality to him. And thank goodness for that, because, I mean, it takes halfway through the series for you to enjoy the character, but, I mean... At least that, sh- at least that shows a lot of growth, and uh, that's not a lot. That's not something a lot of TV shows can say. Although I don't really declare myself an expert on TV shows, because again, I'm just not really into it. But this right here is something I did in fact enjoy, and the ending was so mind-boggling. It's like a, it's like a, whoosh, explosion, brain explosion. That was my sound effect. Whoosh. My brain just exploded. That's what the end of that that uh, season was. Supposedly, it's uh, renewed for uh, a season two, and I'm so happy because I'm like, oh, you know what? Haven't enjoyed TV in years, I guess. I mean, of course, I I love Daredevil, but like this, like I think Daredevil isn't an underrated character or overrated character. I feel like this series is quite uh, underrated, and. Uh, I don't think it ever won any type of award, so I'm kind of happy. I, I actually enjoyed this more than um, the Umbrella Academy. I watched about three episodes of that. It was cool, but it wasn't. I don't know. I feel like that ha- that had a world building issue, which is something again. Like I said, a lot of TV shows and story and uh, stories are having this issue. But um, I'm very I'm very happy with the series as a whole. Um, kind of curious what do you guys think about this show if you guys have in fact seen it if you guys haven't finished it please tell me what you think about it so far for those of you guys who actually have uh, finished it please what do you guys think about the ending I love the ending it it felt like it could have been a conclusion to the story at the same time it was kind of like a cliffhanger because there were a lot of um, there were a few uh, open ended uh, let's put it like some holes left to fill in the story, but um, overall it was like a nice close that left it open for a second season. You know, I really do appreciate that. Like they do, they like we got. I, I felt like we did get a conclusion to his his uh, conclusion to his character, but at the same time, it's kind of like um, you know, you can still expand upon it, and that's true for just about all the characters in the series. So I guess it's about that's that's perfect for how we want to end the season. Especially when we don't know if the there's going to be another season. Which we, well, we now we do, but, you know. So please tell me guys what you think about it. Um, there's always, of course, a post on Instagram. Please tell me what you guys thought about that, that episode. We're going to take another short break, and then we'll be right back. And we'll, well actually, I'm actually going to have a third segment today. Yeah, I got a lot to say this week, huh? So uh, we'll be right back, and uh, get back to you guys.
And we're back. Um, throughout a little short break, um, my iPad died, so now I'm using my my phone to record this. So it's a little awkward. It's um, I'm very much used to um, to the tiny, the the very big screen, and this is uh, this is something new. Um, so, anyways, I'll get used to it. I think. Um, oh yeah. Anyways, so uh, last night was uh, was game night. Because um, I saw the look on my youngest brother's face, and he was like, "His his his face red." Rick, I'm so bored. So I was like, naturally, I said, "Hey Josh, wanna play a game?" And he's like, "Cool, what kind of game?" Card game. And he was like, "Oh man, Rick." He didn't say it, but his face said it. And I was like, "Come on, let's play some Pokemon." So because you guys know, I love a uh, trading card game. So, dude, I um. Uh, we rolled out uh, some casual theme decks. We didn't, um, I mean, we have some homebrew uh, decks, but um, every now and then I like to lower down the the power level of these um, of these decks. So that way, it's just like you know, and we were like ten, nine years old each, and you just roll up with whatever cards you had lying around. If that was a theme deck, you know, theme deck. Or some kind of um, some kind of random like deck of like incredibly like range of OP cards, or some of the stinkiest card names in the game, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I I um, I had this electric themed deck, and my brother had um, this I think it was the steel type of deck. That's right, yeah, because I knew that I remember because um. That came out to be very, very important later on in the game. He, um, typically, uh, lightning has a resistance to steel, and that kind of screwed him up a little bit when he tried to make my, his attacks. He, um, one, he drew incredibly poorly. I felt so bad. I was like, can you, you could just mulligan that um, for free. But he was like, no, no, we're going to stick this one out. And then when he tried to make his first attack, he was like, oh, shoot. You know, resistant to me, and I, I completely forgot about that. And I was like, "Oh shoot!" So he was—he was a little salty about that, and I don't really blame him. Um, I, I felt really bad because um, this was supposed to be for like him. Like I wanted him to have some fun, and he was like, "No, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Let's keep on playing." And he continued to draw really poorly, and I, I think he had only evolved forms and none of the basics for for, uh, for his for his Pokemon, and. Every single card I drew was like a nut draw. And I kept on drawing. It wasn't like I was doing that draws. I was drawing all my trainers that allowed me to find my Pokemon. And then I was like, oh. I, I did my little combo thing. Cause the, the theme deck that I have is about uh, playing uh, this Pokemon called uh, Zenhorba. I've never heard of this character. Um, I'm a little bit behind my Pokemon. But I remember all the classic guys. But um, this new generation from like like four years to now I'm so out of touch with I see some of the Pokemon I'm like how the heck is that Pokemon but then again I'm sure that's probably one of my uncle thinks he was a uh, really big into Pokemon too so I'm sure he's probably thinking oh, what the heck who is that when I was a kid so same thing here and um and I didn't know I don't the only Pokemon the only two Pokemon I knew from my brother's side was um Beldum and uh, what's his face? The uh, Slowpoke. That was literally it. Every other Pokemon there was. I was like, who the heck is that? There was a Cosmog guy, and I was like, who the heck? But his evolution was like so powerful, so I guess it kind of makes up for it. But um, yeah, he's kept on drawing all these really like poor cards, and he was like, oh, my hand is so bad. Jeez, I wish, kind of wish we'd start the game all over again. I kept on drawing all of my, um, this is card that, like, allows you to wheel your hand, like, repeatedly. So, like, shuffling hand to your deck, draw six cards. And I kept on doing that. And he was like, oh, jeez, you know, you won again. And I think I drew, like, all three from the deck. So, it was, it was really funny. And, uh, and eventually, I, I did beat him. Um, I got my combo going by, like, turn, I think it was turn four. Because I only had, uh, two Pokemon in my hand. 
at the beginning of the game. It was like Zenhorba and uh, Magmite. Evolve them, yada yada. And it was a, uh, it, it was just really fun. And uh, eventually we, uh, he was like, after I beat him, I was like, want to go again? He was like, heck no, you just kicked my butt. Don't we have any other board games? And he was like, Heroclix? And he was like, no, I don't want to play that. It's like Magic? He was like, no, I don't want to play that. And then I looked up and I was like, what else do we have? And then I found this, this really old board game that I opened and never played. It was uh, it's Magic related, actually. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Arena of the Planeswalkers, and it's it's almost like HeroScape. If you guys uh, know what HeroScape is, it's um it's a very interesting uh, little board game. It's very similar to it, but at the same time, very different. It, it's like it's like playing uh, I don't know. I don't think there's anything quite like it. It's very unique in, in a way, and you get like a hand of like three cards you get like a you get like a little deck and you draw like a card in the game every turn and you just play so you basically just play the cards and it helps assist your white troopers it's also a bit like um warhammer with the uh, army builds and the little models a bit like hero clicks it's like a it's like a little combination of uh, a bit of everything and it's really it's actually a pretty neat game Unfortunately, there was only like two expansions for the game, and it kind of died out. I looked it up uh, as soon as I got it a few years back, and I was like, ah, well, that's a shame. But, um, everything from the box, like, pristine, because it has not been touched, like, ever. But, um, the uh, the base set comes with uh, five planeswalkers, um, one for every color, you know, white, black, blue, red, green. Uh, and... I was like, Josh, which one do you want? He was like, oh, I'll take the blue one. I was like, you sure? The blue one? He's like, yeah. And then I think he kind of regretted it because blue isn't very combat heavy. It's more like tricks and stuff. I think he would have enjoyed the, the white or red planeswalker more. They're very, very combat oriented, I would say. And I chose Leon, the black mage, because I, I, I was like, oh, he, took, he took my favorite color, so I'll take my second favorite and black. It's very, it's very cool color. I think I'm actually be leaning more towards black now. So like, but um, in terms of magic, but um, it was it was it was a very good game. Um, it came pretty close. Um, I think the main issue was he wasn't he forgot about his hand, the cards, and I think it kind of screwed him over a little bit. But then again, I made some really questionable calls too. I too forgot about my hand. I think what really did buffer us in was that we forgot the character sheets. It's like every character, and every army card has like a like little like special abilities each of them can do, and you and I both forgot about them. It's like almost the very end of the game. I'm like, oh, oh, look at that, and uh, I I thought the Liliana um Liliana um, cards and stuff like that was actually really good. It was, um, it was very, like, sacrifice this creature and you get this. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I forgot about my enchantments that I was playing onto the creatures. Guess I'm going to play. Uh, it's, it's not too complicated. I would recommend, just, you can just look up, find it on YouTube, Arena of the Planeswalker. But it's very simple. Combat's actually incredibly easy. You count squares based off your range. Uh, roll a grid number of attack dice. Um... For every um, sword you get, that counts as a hit. Your opponent is the same thing for their defense. And every uh, every shield that they get blocks one of your swords. And actually, it was really funny. Um, I was very close to death. It's as soon as your planeswalker dies, you can't summon any more uh, creatures. So my um my planeswalker was like three life points left, and Josh rolled exactly three hit dice, and I was like, "Oh, jeez!" So I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm 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 dead. That's it." So I I rolled, and I rolled all three shields, and that was basically like the turning point of the game. And he was like, "What?" Because it was a, uh, it was so lucky. I we neither one of us was expecting me to, uh, to hit those uh all three of those dice. So I, it it was very exciting. It was 
I was like on the rematch, but by then if we didn't know it was like two in the morning by the time we had finished. I don't think the game didn't take that long. It was just he and I. For, I forgot how to play, and I was like reteaching myself and, re and teaching him at the same time. So it it took a little while, but uh, things picked up. You can play like a twenty turn game, even less than that. Even more people, obviously, you add more turns. Um, it's it's actually a really cool game. Um, uh, we we were gonna play some Hero Force, but I was like, yeah, we should probably call it a night. But um. Yeah, I'm really big into that, and so is my brother, sometimes. I mean, most of the time I do win, but that is because I have a lot more experience with it. And the same thing with him with uh, Halo and Call of Duty. Not gonna lie, he would actually kick my ass if we were played against each other in, in any of those games. Because, again, I don't He's more experienced than I, than I am, and uh, same, vice versa for the, uh, the board games. Because I... Uh, I like that classic board game type of feel. Uh, next on our list is probably gonna be Risk next week, maybe. But I have to go pick it up because we don't have it. Everything we have is superhero and a lore base, so it's uh, a bit much. Uh, we last month was mostly D and D. I like playing Dungeon Master. I'm very bad at it, but um, I my my family seems to think I'm do pretty. I'm doing pretty good, so. I can't complain too much. But uh, tell me. Also, uh, leave it in the bottom of the comments. Please tell me what you guys, what you guys uh, playing. Um, any board game lovers out there? I'm a huge fan of board games. I could play board games all day, honestly. Yeah, just get me some uh some lemonade or Malta. I had like three before recording this, so uh, I love Malta. Yeah, get me a few of those, and I can go up like forever on a bunch of board games. I'm not as uh. Not as heavy as uh, some other people. Like I know there's some really heavy board game players out there, but um, I like to think um, more than just a casual player. I like collecting, I like playing them. And I have, I have a lot of like, little odd hobbies that kind of interfere with my comic book collecting. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's the uh, it's one of those things, huh? I guess you can't help yourself. So please tell me what, what do you guys enjoy playing? Any trading card game fans out there? Any uh any uh board game fans out there? Just let me know in the comments section down below. Um, below in this post, I'm gonna make as soon as I uh, publish this uh, recording. But um, I think I think that will actually do for uh for this episode. Uh, yes, full special three parts. I know I'm a little late in recording, so I decided to give you guys a little bonus. What else I've been doing outside of well, comics and comic book uh, related uh, thing. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, have a great night, and I'll see you guys next week. This time, hopefully, on time. Have a great night.